you know, UX Writing Academy focuses the curriculum and a lot of our conversations around that design thinking approach, but from a content first lens. So it's not just focused on the actual words that you see on the screen, but it's actually approaching the writing from a design thinking lens. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers in Tech, a podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub. The UX Writing Hub is an online education platform for writers in tech. We have a weekly newsletter, weekly podcast episode. We have a free UX writing and content design course, so check it in our website, uxwritinghub.com. And today we have a very special guest. It's basically the second time we're doing this recording because we had a bug on the first time and it didn't save the files, unfortunately. So we're going to recreate it. It's going to be even better. Hayley Reynolds, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for working with me through all the tech difficulties. Happy to be here. You know, it happens. And I'm happy that uh, you took the time to do it again. Okay, let's start from the beginning. So what's your background is like and where do you work today? Yeah, so I started my career in UX as a UX strategist. And so I was kind of already thinking through that design lens when I got into UX writing. But I started noticing as a UX strategist that I kind of already had a content first approach to my designs. And I started developing this kind of passion for content first designs and have a theory that UX writing is kind of the future of product design in general. So nice. that's what yeah led me to the specialize in UX writing. So that's my like personal segue into UX writing. I've been a writer my whole life, just kind of in my personal endeavors. You know, I've been a creative writer since I was like in second grade. So it was kind of a natural transition. Very cool. And today you work in a startup company named Ibotta, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're a cashback app and help our savers get cash back on things they buy every day. And okay, so I want to ask you a question. How did you land that role at Ibotta, basically? Yeah, so I enrolled in the UX Writing Academy and didn't have any urgent plans to get a job immediately after UX Writing Academy. But then I had a baby and wanted to kind of transition my career a little bit faster. So I actually started looking for positions and UX writing positions while I was still enrolled in the academy, so still in the cohort. And I started, you know, putting together my portfolio, putting together my resume. And I had a lot of experience in product design, but was still developing a lot of those skills as a UX writer. And I actually used all those assets that I had to have to get a job, like my portfolio, my resume, my cover letter. I used those as kind of one of my uh, first real deliverables as a UX writer. And that's what I started noticing. I got more bites to interview and got pretty far in almost every interview process that I applied for. When things started turning around for me is when I started noticing that I took a 
stab at redesigning my cover letter from a UX writer's approach and not the lens I'd been told to do it my whole life as a career. I think often we're told to use that cover letter as a space to talk about, you know, why we'd be a good fit at the company and why we really want to work at that company. And I scrapped that entirely and instead wrote a cover letter that kind of told the story of my portfolio and my resume in the narrative form. So I kind of think that's our jobs as UX writers is to kind of reevaluate spaces and what they actually should be communicating and the story they should be telling and not necessarily just, you know, grabbing these requirements from whoever they are, whether that's a business blog or a product designer, and instead decided to do do my own thing there. And I actually got a lot of positive feedback. I got an interview with almost every place I applied for after I did that and got pretty far too. That's amazing. And I really want to know what would be your step-by-step guide for creating a cover letter like that. Let's say that we have people in the audience, they want to get a job. They have all of the skills required. They did some pretty awesome case studies. They have their CV already all set up. So what would be the architecture of a cover letter like that? I would say, think of it as, you know, this, this one page document where you get to write a story about your career. And I don't know, I think probably most UX writers are in this similar situation where I had this resume that kind of looked like I took a couple of hard right turns in my career. You know, I came from a background in the health insurance world and then transitioned into product strategy and design and then took another right turn into UX writing. So rather than letting those pieces of information stand on their own in my resume, I would say use your cover letter to paint the picture of how each of those different subjects led you to where you are today. Like what transferable skills did you gain from each of those experiences to make you the like awesome UX writer that you are? For me, I use that space to talk about how Like I was actually pretty proud of starting in the insurance industry because my entire job was making this really complex subject digestible and easy to understand so that people could access their benefits, which is really important to their everyday lives and how like that's the, that skill set helps me so much as a UX writer because I already have those thought processes developed. And then the same thing as a product strategist, you know, a lot of the times UX writers kind of approach this subject as a writer or with just a lens for words. But really, we should be thinking as a designer because that's really what we are. We just have a different output. And so I kind of spent time there talking through how I had already developed, you know, a lens for design thinking and how I see you know, UX writing is not just words on the screen, but do we need a word there at all? Or should it be better served as another form of content? And if so, what other writing requirements might that entail? So just kind of painting that picture in a more narrative form and really just tying all of those things on your resume and portfolio together as a little short story is probably the best structure, I think, for a cover letter. I love that because many people have like insecurities about all of those hard turns they had in their career. We had like in last week's writing academy, this student that her background is being a teacher and she is one of the most talented UX writers I know today. And she took most of her experience as an educator and as a person that teach people, she took it as an advantage and now she just do it with 
her product writing and she's doing Great. it exceptionally well. It's just amazing to see that. Yeah. So taking your personal story and putting the best out of it, I think it's a, a really good tip. Yeah. And if you think about who's going to be reading that, you know, they have way more context about their business than you do. So whatever case you could make about, you know, what makes you a great fit at that company, they have a better one and they just more context in that. But what they don't have is that information that's missing about your skills in your life. And, you know, your first stop is usually a recruiter. It's not the hiring manager who has that very nuanced information about the position. And I heard personally from a couple of recruiters that they appreciated that they could just read my cover letter and know exactly what I was about and how those skills fit into the job they were sourcing. So it's, I think, just being a good UX writer. <laughs> right. You know, there is a misconception that I had also before we talked about it first, that, you know, when you're writing a cover letter, you should write like why this company should hire you and how you can benefit that company and why you should like bombard them with information about like, yeah, and I and just take, you know, analyzing their maybe uh, job posts and then just like tackle one by one cases of like how you'll be a good fit for that. And after talking to you, I figured out that it might not be the best strategy to go. Like, yeah. about, first of all, yourself. That would be probably better and probably more reusable, probably more, it would be easier to, to kind of, you know, make that application process more efficient, I assume, right? Exactly, yeah. And I just think, again, as a UX writer, just approaching that with a value-first lens, a value-first approach, like, what information do they really need to know? It's probably not more information about their business that they have more than you anyways. So, <laughs> Like for sure. Do you feel like that the UX writing academy kind of contributed to your efforts to become a UX writer? Absolutely. You know, UX writing academy focuses the curriculum and a lot of our conversations around that design thinking approach, but from a content first lens. So it's not just focused on the actual words that you see on the screen, but it's actually approaching the writing from a design thinking lens. And somebody who like had background in product strategy and the design world already, I was able to see how those fit so perfectly together. And then now as actually holding a UX writing position and doing that work as a UX writer, I wish I could convey this more, but you are a designer. You should be thinking like a designer, not just a writer. And a lot of the other writing courses that I had taken and some of those webinars, they really focused more on the actual words on the screen. And I think that leaves a lot of writers with some blind spots in, in their process when we don't think about the holistic design process when it comes to our content and the words we're crafting. So UX Writing Academy definitely drilled that down in me, I think. I'll tell you why, because, you know, I, my background is with product design. So uh, when I started, I worked in different product teams and we, you know, I created those mock-ups and I didn't know nothing about UX writing back then because it wasn't even a practice back then. So I was just, you know, creating some draft words, product copy uh, and so on. And uh, at some point we decided to hire in our product team a copywriter. and I figure out that I'm working with a person that is a great writer 
can create fantastic words, uh, but at the end of the day, they didn't have the, the knowledge that I have about the product design and the context and very different type of writing for an app because yeah. writing a screen without context was like very weird for the end users. And that, you know, made me think that, you know, we should talk more about this topic. How can we educate more writers to be better designers at the end of the day. And to be honest, that's how we come up with the idea of building the community and following that the UX learning hub. Because yeah. the demand for that, I just wanted to create better digital products. Yeah, well, it's definitely working and being translated through the curriculum. I can vouch for that. And I spend most of my time working with the designers on my team, just evaluating the space is, do we need a word here? Like, what is the space actually doing? What are we trying to, what does the user need to know here? And do they need to know everything right here all at once? Or can we maybe be like split this out into a couple of different steps or different experiences? But if I were just approaching this from a writing lens and I got handed the screen, I would definitely just, you know, okay, well, here's a sentence for you that I think this sounds really good. But if I were thinking about this from a design lens, like, okay, well, what is the space actually doing? Exactly. And by the way, this is the same also for designers in, in like seven years ago, for example, we were someone from the product team just, uh, you know, they said, oh, you're a designer? Cool. So make this screen beautiful for me or make it nicer for me or make it look yeah. nice. And then you do it and then you figure out, wait, but do I need to design it in that specific composition or can we maybe restructure that? Right. And uh, that was also a huge challenge for designers like seven, eight years ago before UX design became a standard. So what we're facing right now, this transition is uh, almost identical to the transition that we had to do has from graphic design to UX design. It's almost the same as the transition from copywriting or tradition writing to UX writing. Right. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, it is. It is. So today you work at Ibotta and how many designers do you have in your team? Well, we've hired a couple and I think we're hiring a few more, but anywhere from 10 to 12. And I work across the squad. So how our design team is broken up right now is, you know, we focus a designer or two per problem space. I kind of have a dotted line across all of those different problem spaces. So I'm not focused on just one area or the other. We are Mm -hmm. you know, trying to might evaluate that in the future. But I think that that's a good thing right now because it allows me to have that holistic understanding of all of the different goals we're trying to accomplish and those different touch points to the user. It's definitely a challenge to work with that many people and hold that much information in your head <laughs> at once. I think to be successful, maybe like two or three designers per writer would be nice just because you know, there's always more planning, more work we can do as content designers, you know, like it's not, like I said, not just about actually crafting the words on the screen, but, you know, doing your research and actually planning the content strategy of what needs to go there. And so there's a lot more that goes into it than I think what meets the eye. So to get into some of those really deep details, it would be nice to have a smaller ratio from writers to designers, for sure. I agree. Do you have any kind of process to educate designers and developers in your team about how to write better? 
Yeah. So, I mean, we have a product writing guide, so it serves as kind of our style guide. One of my goals for 2022 in my role is to create a content design system. So not just, you know, a style guide and voice and tone and kind of guidelines around, you know, if you are going to craft this subject from scratch, but actually talking about the different subjects or pieces of information that we have across our product and how we talk about those in different locations, you know, so trying to get down to the details of helping designers think through, like, instead of throwing all the information out in this one space, you know, we tend to over communicate all the things all the time and in all the places, breaking out those subjects and, and talking about different ways we can speak to those subjects across different locations is is my goal. That's a great goal for 2022. <laughs> it's a lofty one. <laughs> Are you familiar with the Intuit content design system? I am. They're wonderful. I actually have it bookmarked. It's amazing. It's one of the most impressive uh, content design system. I think they're kind of coined the term content design system in a way. I think so. Um, I, I thought I had that in my head, but I wasn't totally sure. So I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> We've added in uh, one of the previous episodes. It's about to be published soon. Stephen Kern, uh, one of the writers of this design system. And uh, when he first introduced it to me, my mind was completely blown. I really, you know, it's it's an amazing, like uh, my references until maybe 2021 was the MailChimp content style guide, uh-huh. which was uh, kind of revolutionary in a way. It was the first time you had like a web style guide. And it was published in 2015. So the Intuit content design system is like my go-to now. Yeah. When it comes to, you know, referring to a successful content design system. Yeah, I definitely think it it serves as kind of like the beacon and the standard for like what, you know, this industry and our roles should be working towards is, again, just kind of hammering home. Like it's not just about the words on the screen, but it's kind of how you talk about them. It's if you need them at all, it's the whole thing. And I think they do a great job of, of having that right. resource available for their team. Like voice and tone for, because it's Intuit, so they have Mint and QuickBooks and TurboTax. So they like separated the voice and tone and like accessibility guide, inclusion guide, word list, content patterns. This is how we tell bad news. This is how we write blog posts. This is how we write emails, AOL messages. This is just gold in my opinion. Yes. So. I think they're, Wonderful. Like they're definitely my goal of that standard of not passing any sort of business complexity onto your user. They're kind of the best, I think, standard to follow just because they are speaking of something super complex and could easily pass that business complexity onto their users. And they're really breaking it out into a digestible resource on how not to do that. A very big challenge that you have when you create something like that, like a content style guide or a content design system, doesn't matter how you call it, but it's to make sure that people in your product team actually use it. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, some kind of a game plan to make sure that people would actually, you know, see it, use it, and make sure to follow the rules that are written 
Yeah, well, I'm pretty lucky because most of the designers on on my team are very, the writer before me who held this position really did a great job of kind of showcasing the value of this role and the value of UX writers, you know, lens and expertise. And so our team is already pretty great at utilizing the style guide that we have. And we have a Slack channel called How Do I Say This? And our team's pretty mm-hmm. great about utilizing that space to kind of get like really one-off feedback. If they can't find anything in the style guide, they'll reach out if they think something would be a good fit for the style guide that they'd prefer more guidance on. So I'm pretty lucky of of having a really open team in that regards. So I don't know that that would be as big of a challenge for me as it is for probably other people. But what I can say is the more you can showcase the why and not just, you know, pushing out a set of instructions or guidelines or rules and kind of doing a good job about helping people understand why you put this together in the first place and the Mm -hmm. problems it can help solve and how it's going to, you know, make their lives better or, you know, make their designs cleaner or, you know, help them spend less time. I think people are open to that. Mm It's good. It's good that in your team they're open for that. You know, you have some people out there that kind of fight to make sure that, you know, their work is seen as that, uh, you know, people would use their style guide. But we can definitely see some kind of a paradigm shift where people kind of more understand the value of, of your work and the work of the UX writer. Yeah, for sure. And I think it also kind of comes full circle back to just making sure you're earning that trust with your designers about, you know, not just putting copy up there for copy's sake and not just trying to evangelize your role just by getting words up on the screen, but actually contributing to their designs in a way that's meaningful. That doesn't always mean more copy sometimes. it And a lot of times in my role, it means, hey, you've got too many words up here. Let's clean this up. Let's get some of this off the screen. And so I think the more you can contribute in ways like that, you'll get more buy-in for those other things that you're trying to accomplish. So we're getting into our last question here. Uh, and the question is, all right, ready? So uh, if you had to name the, this episode, what would be the name of this episode? Oh, gosh. It's a tough question. It is so hard. Yeah, I go back and forth between like the UX writing. Refreshing. So, so we talked about like, uh, and by the end, like the last part was mainly about like content design systems and your plans for 2020, which was amazing. And how to make sure that people actually use the style guide, the content design system. And before that, the first part was more about like, you know, writing a cover letter and the structure of a cover letter and how to kind of make sure that your work stands out when you apply for a job. So we have like two different kind of themes here. I would say maybe like UX writers are are designers or something like like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. That can work. I don't know. I like it's, there are two very different themes we've got going on here, and I don't know which one. We got. We can. Be. By the way, it's okay to go only with one of them, and then you know people would kind of listen uh, through the whole thing, and they would love it, right? So something like maybe something like oh, I had it. I had it in my head. Like building your like how to write an effective UX writing cover letter, or you know building a content design system in 2022, something like that. 
best way to contribute as a UX writer? I feel like that might cover mm-hmm. both. Wow, that's a really hard question. I've heard you ask it this on the question. podcast so many times and I never thought about how hard it was to actually answer this question. So for everyone who's already been on this podcast, I didn't want to put you on so the spot. Sympathy. I always it's a tough question. It's a tough question. I know. Uh, but I think we have some, you know, uh, Anya from our team is is uh, always writing the show notes. So she always <laughs> listens to this part and then she decides the name. It's okay. Even... <laughs> Anya, so, I trust uh, you. Anya, Anya, both of us, Heidi and me, we trust you to give it the best uh, name for this episode. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you so much. In case people want to find you or reach out, what would it be? will be the best way to do that. Yeah, uh, you can reach out on LinkedIn or yeah, that's probably the best way to find me. I'm on Medium, but not a lot out there just yet. So probably LinkedIn. LinkedIn, perfect. So uh, thank you so much, Eddie, for being here today. Yeah, thanks you all for having me. Of course, it was a lot of fun. And I felt like, you know, it was the second time. So I felt like I'm kind of, I'm familiar with the content so i know exactly what i want to learn from you so that was amazing yeah and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of writers in tech brought to you by the ux learning hub we did talk about the ux learning academy in this episode which is our program for a six-month program for people that want to get into the field of ux writing it's pretty awesome and you might want to check it out but first take our free course at uxwritinghub.com or just keep listening to this podcast, Writers in Tech, or sign up to our weekly newsletter, or check out our blog. We post there probably every week or every two weeks. And it's pretty awesome content as well. We invest a lot of resources to make it really, really good. Check it out. And thank you, everyone. And I'll see you next time. Bye.